The Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast is sponsored by Trusted Computing Group. Through open standards and specifications, Trusted Computing Group enables secure computing. Through its member-driven work groups, the Trusted Computing Group enables the benefits of trust in computing devices from mobile to embedded systems, as well as networks, storage, infrastructure, and cloud security. More than a billion devices include Trusted Computing Group technologies. Check them out at trustedcomputinggroup.org. Welcome to a Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast. I'm Paul Roberts, Editor-in-Chief at the Security Ledger. In this edition of the podcast... We would hope that the execs and the board of any company today realize that since we're moving into this new normal, we have to invest. Just like if we were moving into a new office, we would invest in new furniture. We are moving into a new office. It's the home office. It's remote working universally. And we have to invest in the collaboration tools to enable us to do our jobs securely. Countries in Europe, Asia, and the Pacific region are beginning to reopen after months shut down to combat the COVID virus. Baseball is slated to resume in Japan in June. Bars and gyms are starting to reopen in parts of Europe. Australia and New Zealand have nearly eliminated COVID from their populations. However, while many suspended activities will eventually resume, there are many changes brought about by the current pandemic and our fight against it that will remain. That's especially true in the workplace, where remote work from home, less travel, and more virtual collaboration may become the new normal. But the new normal introduces new risks, from phishing attacks and business email compromise to data theft. In this episode of the podcast, we invited Steve Hanna of the firm Infineon back into the Security Ledger Studios. Steve is the co-chair of the Embedded Systems Work Group within the Trusted Computing Group. In this conversation, Steve and I talk about the good and bad of COVID, how organizations need to adjust their risk profile to account for remote work, but also how COVID is likely to accelerate some long overdue and needed changes in the way that businesses, individuals, and societies work. To start off, I asked Steve, of course, how he's holding up amid the COVID pandemic. My name's Steve Hanna. I'm a senior principal in technical marketing at Infineon Technologies, and I'm also co-chair of the Embedded Systems Workgroup and several subgroups within Trusted Computing Group. Steve, welcome back to Security Ledger Podcast. Paul, it's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure talking to you. So um, I think probably a good place to start, Steve, uh, we're talking here in the middle part of May, is how are you doing and how are you holding up in these pandemic times? Thanks for asking, Paul. That's how we start every conversation these days. Yeah, one of the one of the little changes to our uh, to our norms that's uh, th- that's happened in the last couple of months. You ask people in earnestly, kind of, how are they doing? How are you holding up? Oddly for me, it's uh, not a large change, at least in my work habits. I've been working from home for fifteen years now in information security, so I'm continuing to work at home. Uh, I think the biggest change is that. Everybody else is working from home, too, and they're making all those newbie mistakes, like thinking that they can work for 18 hours a day, not realizing that doesn't hold up for long. (laughs) Everybody has to adapt to this new normal, so to speak, this 
temporary situation and what's going to come after it. And the attackers are no different. Uh, yes, they uh, may have been working from home in their basement or uh, in Eastern Europe or whatever, but they see new opportunities now. Uh, the, our traditional ways of doing business have been disrupted, and that is an opening, an opportunity for the attacker. So we think, see things like increased number of scams, uh, an increase in ransomware over what we saw before, and more and more business email compromise attacks and more efforts to take advantage of the disruption in normal routines and processes. They say, aha, these folks are all working from home. Their usual way of doing things, if something seems strange, stop by George's office and ask him, did you just send me an email saying to transfer some money to a new customer I've never heard of or new contractor? Those normal ways of doing things break down because you're not in the office with George. So uh, we need to redouble our efforts or perhaps re-triple our efforts for information security and especially being aware of the changes in attacker behavior. The, uh, the network perimeter has now been, you know, extended to, you know, thousands or tens of thousands or millions of uh, vulnerable home networks, you know, from, from something that was maybe a more hardened uh, corporate network perimeter. That's right. That's clear. Everybody's working from home, so it's a new location, and they probably don't have the same support systems in place. The corporate network uh, support, the firewalls, uh, and filtering that's done uh, in a corporate network environment. But there's more than just that. There's the software update infrastructure, the backup infrastructure that you have in a corporate environment, uh, the file sharing infrastructure. And People need to get their jobs done. They're time pressured. They've got, you know, kids. They're juggling the kids. They're juggling uh, their usual work responsibilities, which may be even greater if, for example, they're in the banking uh, function and they're trying to help their clients. So they're trying to get as much done with less. And so they're inclined to take shortcuts. They're inclined to say, oh, this darn corporate thing isn't working. I'm just going to put that file on my USB stick and put it into my normal PC. Or, you know, golly, you know, I better back this up. I'll back it up locally. They may take shortcuts. And then, of course, then they're, they're also more susceptible to these sorts of attacks, the business email compromise, the scams, the uh, social engineering, which I mentioned earlier. So as information security professionals, we need to recognize it's not our job just to say no. It's our job to help people get their job done and to do so securely. So we have to make sure that, for example, uh, there is a way to make sure the backups can happen even remotely. Uh, we have to make sure that there's a way for people to get updates even remotely. We have to make sure there's a way for them to transfer those big files that they need to transfer now when they can't use sneaker net and walk a USB thumb drive around to somebody else. Uh, all of these things, uh, of course, obviously increased VPN uh 
bandwidth, increased teleconferencing bandwidth. Um, the, we need to put those in place. That's our first priority to make sure that people can continue to do their job uh, while they're uh, sheltering in place or working from home, however long that uh, may be. But once we get beyond the urgent, oh my goodness, our VPN traffic just increased a hundredfold or more. Um, and the same thing with our conferencing and the routine, making sure that software updates and backups and uh, firewalls and remote support are in place, those everyday things, then we need to realize that uh, that's not enough, that we're in a new threat environment, that we're under more threat in many ways than we were before, and we need to step up our protection against business email compromise, against scams, against ransomware. And how do you do that? Well, it's often more training because a lot of this is user awareness that these there's a higher level of scamming taking place. Yes, some of it can be done with scanning on the email server, but some of it's going to be popping up in e in people's browsers. Uh, and so they really need to be trained well at this point uh, more than ever. Yeah, I mean, it really strikes me that, you know, COVID in particular, because there is so much uh, I guess curiosity is one word for it, but anxiety over the virus and, and um, people are so anxious to kind of, you know, see the light at the end of the tunnel, understand when this problem is going to resolve or go away, that all those um, phishing emails and lures uh, that might play upon that anxiety become extra potent. It's not like they're doing anything new. It's just that the, the bait they're using is particularly effective right now, given how much uncertainty there is. That's right. And with this disruption comes uh, new opportunities. Everybody is replanning, changing the ways that we do things. And we need to make sure that information security has a seat at the table there. Or if we're not at the table in every meeting, that there's somebody from IT who realizes that, hmm, security is an issue <laughs> that should be considered as we design this new process. It's not just figuring out how to do things efficiently. It's figuring out how to do things efficiently and safely and securely, knowing that there are bad guys out there who are going to be looking for vulnerabilities in your processes because we're all defining new processes. They're going to be looking for vulnerabilities in those new processes and figuring out how they can exploit them. So we have to have somebody at the table who either has that adversarial mindset who can think like an attacker or who at least realizes that we probably need to run this by a security expert, somebody who can think like an attacker. Right, right. Um, and, and like you said, I mean, you know, people keep using the phrase new normal, you know, it's not entirely clear when we're ever going to return to, you know, what we had, what seems like just yesterday, you know, a few months back, people are going into office buildings and, and working, uh, you know, close in with each other, sitting in cubicles and so on. Um, so, I mean, I guess my question is that some of these you know, changes that we're talking about um, for many organizations uh, may or less may be more or less permanent. I know, I think Jack Dorsey of Twitter said today that, you know, as far as he's concerned, his employees can continue working from home forever. Um, he doesn't, doesn't ever need to see them back in the office. 
Yes, there will be some businesses, there are some businesses where that's the case. And that's great for some employees. There are others, well, it's a service business and you may need to have that face-to-face contact, at least for some employees. But I saw an article today as well that uh, many of the Wall Street banks are deciding that they don't really need to have offices, office space for everybody in downtown Manhattan. And that's going to have an impact in many ways, but it'll certainly have an IT and an information security uh, impact as well. I think whatever your business, it's likely that there are some people who can do their job perfectly well from home. And uh, that should be an option. And then there are other people who can't. And it's just a fact of life. That's the way their job works. And then there'll be some where you say, you know, yes, you can work from home, but we want to get together for brainstorming. We want to get together for team building, you know, and the like. Now, work from home is a great opportunity. It's an opportunity for the employee to (laughs) spend some quality time at home. It's an opportunity for the employer to spend less money on real estate and furnishings and all the rest of that. But there's going to need to be changes in order to support it. That's going to be a new reality and a new opportunity for those companies to get the top person in the world to work on a project. They can hire that person whether they live in Rome, in Timbuktu, in, you know, Kansas City. It doesn't make any difference. They can bring them on, add them to the staff, and because of this remote work capability, they can make them part of the team. But IT and InfoSec needs to be up to the job as well. The Spotlight Edition of the Security Ledger podcast is sponsored by Trusted Computing Group. Through open standards and specifications, Trusted Computing Group enables secure computing. More than a billion devices include Trusted Computing Group technologies. Check them out at trustedcomputinggroup.org. I mean, I don't know about you, but one of the things I've noticed, too, is that, you know, as Warren Buffett said, you know, you never know who's swimming naked till the tide goes out, uh, has really exposed, I think, the gulf between, for example, what the private sector, particularly in, you know, fields like technology uh, was capable of and what, let's say, you know, government, local and and state governments were were capable of. And when this virus hit, um, the ability of those organizations to pivot and shift to, you know, mostly remote work or so on was very uh, uneven, right? And I think we saw certain sectors that just we're, we're not ready for that. You know, distance learning in public schools, you know, many, 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 many schools just were not prepared for that eventuality and, and had to make adjustments very quickly. My neighbor's a school teacher and uh, it's been difficult for her. Now, one of the things that's made it possible and kudos to the folks who have made it possible is that there have been pioneers. There have been people doing distance learning for decades. And yes, those pioneers ended up with the arrows in their backs in some cases. They ended up with this battle scars, but they worked out the kinks. They figured out what works, what doesn't work. There's hard data on that, you know, and now that the tools are available, the materials are available to allow 
distance learning to take place on a massive scale. And I think another thing to point out here that makes this all the possible is the cloud. Um, that is cloud computing allows for massive scale up and scale down of various functions. Could we have scaled our VPN connectivity a hundredfold if we had to bring in hardware VPN gateways, you know, appliances, and put them in the racks. No way. They just didn't exist enough. It would be like ventilators. There'd be shortages of. But now that those functions, not just routers and switches, VPN gateways, firewalls, all that sort of stuff, is virtualized and can be run on any compute device. Um, And there's plenty of cloud uh, providers who are happy to run it for you. So, It's amazing how the technology that was developed over the last 50 years, if we include the internet, it is enabling this remote work and how the early work of those pioneers is enabling it as well. Not everybody was as prepared, but that's okay. So uh, one of the challenges with COVID, um, I I think you'd agree, Steve, is just the the speed with which the uh you know, virus uh, spread and the organizations were forced to contend with it and and kind of shift operating models. And I guess my question to you would be um, for organizations that had to scramble to to do this, um, what, as they look to build something that's maybe more secure and sustainable and that will support, you know, more remote workers and remote activity, uh, where would would you encourage them to uh, look? I really think of it as being a five-step process with COVID. One is dealing with the crisis and getting the business up and running again. The second is getting it working on a routine, everyday basis. We talked about that, things like software updates, backups, antivirus, things like that, remote support processes. The third is dealing with the new risks that this environment uh, brings you, especially on the attacker side, as I said earlier. The fourth is what you're talking about, the new normal. Okay, you know, we've sort of tamped things down, (laughs) as the medical community has as well, perhaps bent the curve. Now, how can we return to a relatively normal way of working? How can we establish new working processes that allow our business to return to some uh, sustainable, profitable modus operandi? That really touches everything a business does. And that's where I said information security needs to be at the table. And it affects IT processes and policies, how we do things, and it affects information security, how our InfoSec folks work. Um, It also goes to how can we help people make their home workstations sustainable long-term. They need to be ergonomic. They need to be safe. They need to be convenient. They need to be private. There needs to be the equipment on hand that they need to get their job done. They need to have the internet level that they you know, need to get their job done. They need to have printers and scanners if that's an important part of their job. And they need to have some place where they can store things physically secure in their home as well. A lot of companies have a clean desk policy, and I'm sure that's been the last thing on people's minds in working from home. But it is a risk if you're going to have corporate information and certainly any sort of 
uh, privacy-sensitive information lying around the house in a home office, that's not really kosher. You need to have it locked up there. Um, So you need to have that. And then the last thing, the fifth category, is all about boosting the security level for our high-profile targets, our executives. We know that spear phishing is an issue and business email compromise. So how can we ensure that when executive action and is needed or authorization, that it's actually the executive who's uh, doing that, regardless of where they are in the world. Now, this may already be in place for many organizations because execs often work from home, work mobile, but you need to make sure you've got <clears throat> multi-factor authentication for those folks, that everybody knows how to reach them uh, in a secure and reliable way. Uh, you need to look at uh, disk encryption for the execs and really for anybody who's going to have a drive off-site local storage, um, they should have BitLocker enabled, preferably with the TPM turned on. Um, That's, you know, that's basic. Uh, You need to have the ability to get these execs the remote support that they need. Um, You need to uh, make sure that their machines are healthy in the long run. They're not going to be dropping by IT for their weekly or monthly checkups. They're going to be doing their best on their own, and you need to provide them that support. Yeah, I mean, that, that identity piece is, is really important. Um, at the end of the day, uh, it's, it's, gonna, it's gotten a lot harder to be sure that uh, the employees who are connecting into your uh, environment are your employees, right? I mean, the opportunities for malicious actors to, you know, use a VPN connection to impersonate employee. Uh, those, th- it's going to be harder to pick those out from the from the noise because yeah, there are just so many more people doing it. What What are your thoughts on uh, changes that organizations can make to uh, to address that underlying risk? Well, leverage the technology that you have already. So if you've got communications mechanisms in place already. If the execs have each other's cell phone numbers, that's fine. Just make sure they realize that an incoming call that claims to be from that exec may not actually be from that exec. They may want to use a more secure communications mechanism than just standard cellular communication. Uh, We would hope that the execs and the board of any company today realize that since we're moving into this new normal, we have to invest just like if we were moving into a new office, we would invest in new furniture. We are moving into a new office. It's the home office. It's remote working universally. And we have to invest not just in the desks and the chairs and the printer, but you also have to invest in the collaboration tools to enable us to do our jobs securely. I guess I'd ask you, and as a, as a closing question, um, you know, eventually COVID will go away one way or the other. Either it'll just, you know, s- spread through the population, or we'll develop a vaccine and people will be vaccinated against it. But uh, so we will come out of this uh, situation. But if you were to kind of look in the crystal ball, um, what do you think will be the impact um, of this pandemic and the 
you know, business with private sector response to it, organizational response to it. What do you think the long term lasting changes will be? And we'll look back and say that started during COVID, that, you know, behavior, that practice, that way of thinking and doing things. Well, I'm inherently an optimist. I do think that uh, this has opened a lot of people's eyes to the practicality of distance learning, of distance business, remote working, um, and collaboration. Now, it's not for everybody. It's not for everything. It's not for every time. But I think the future that we're heading into is one where there's less of an emphasis on showing your face in the office, on being the first one in in the morning and the last one out, you know, always there at your desk, and more on being effective and having an impact within the team, a positive impact. And so I'm hopeful that people will be more judged on their impact and less judged on those uh, old-fashioned criteria. And that tools that are there, we can now see are adequate in many cases. You're not going to have every function done remotely, but uh, we'll be able to shift our resources. And instead of spending so much on office space and uh, so much time on commuting, so much pollution on uh, caused by commuting, and so much time and money on flying around the world for FaceTime with people, we'll be able to devote those resources to other higher priorities. Not to say that FaceTime isn't important, but we can be selective about when we decide it's important. Yeah, it's funny. I know that the Germans have this term Sitzfleisch, um, you know, which is kind of like, uh, you know, kind of sitting flesh, I guess. Basically, it's kind of staying power, your ability to just kind of stay in your seat and <laughs> and endure. My guess is that that's going to be a lot less valuable in the post-COVID <laughs> world. I don't know, Paul. I just went out and bought a new chair for my home office. I've been doing a lot of sit flesh right in front of my <laughs> home desk. So uh, there, there's, uh, I'd say right now there's more sit flesh than there was before. Yeah, that, that could be true. Steve Hanna of Infineon and Trust and Computer Group, thank you so much for coming in and speaking to us. You're very welcome. Thank you, Paul. <laughs>